Wait, Ellen, can I just tell you what? I love this episode. I know. It's a really good one. It's so, I mean, it's just Wait, like the. What are you guys, what are you doing? Oh. This is still my, I still work here. This is my last episode. Hey, hey, hey Patricia. Hey. I thought we were friends. <laughs> you snooze, you lose. <laughs> Throwing our usual intro into the fucking garbage. Here we okay? go. <laughs> We're throwing it away. This is this is my last my last episode. This is like what what do we do? Listen, it's my last episode on this side of the booth. Yeah. I keep saying I'm next week. I'm just going to be outside on the other side of the booth, slamming my boobies yeah. up against the glass door, <laughs> trying to get your attention. Girl, are you ready to take over? I'm ready. I mean, as ready as I'm gonna be. I mean, you've ginger spiced your way out of here. <laughs> you truly have. Does that mean I got too old to do the job? Well, no. no. Oh, an age joke. (laughs) That was not an age joke. We are saying age joke, by the way. No one's making any AIDS jokes up in here. Oh, God. Okay, I'm pointing out that we're not doing that. Change the subject. So tell me what I want, what I really, really want. You guys, I love you so much. I'm so excited for this change. I'm so excited for this. Ellen's holding on to her headphones for dear life. I, I literally feel like I'm Tina Turner being like, do I love you, my mom? Look, we're going to do this episode. We're going to kick this episode's ass. Yeah. We're going to find this person and then that's it next week it's gonna be you baby baby times is a changing (laughs) wait i just before we get to the episode we have to tell the story that you came in today and said somebody in the facebook group said i feel like joey probably calls patricia daddy listen 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 (laughs) ladies and gentlemen there's something i would like to clarify i know Uh i have been labeled labeled as the lake bottom but i am a a wide ocean top make it make sense i'll workshop that again it's so funny because you're going to learn this about podcasting. It's crazy because we tell so many secrets and we just feel like yes. you're talking to each other. Uh-huh. And then the episode drops and you're like, oh, people are listening. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> Ellen, do you have any words for me on my way out? Uh, buy low, sell high. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of what I did by getting you to co-host. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Steve, can you bring me some popcorn? <laughs> There's nothing that makes me happier than when Patricia tickles himself. I <laughs> well, I love you. I love I you. I can't believe. How do I? I know. I cannot wait to see what becomes of this. Please, please keep it going in an upward trajectory, yeah. everybody. What's our goodbye song? We need to collectively think of a goodbye song that they can play on the outro. Let's decide right now. Ooh. <gasps> What's the Spice Girl one? When to goodbye, my friends. Nope, that's the wrong one. <laughs> I need some. I'm alive like I never needed love. Vanessa Carlton. Goodbye to you. Oh, I love it. That's I great. I don't know That's that perfect. Song. No, no, I love no. that we song. We have a song I can't sing to. Oh, God. What is it? I don't know that song. Um, bye, 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 bye. Bye, bye. Just another player in your game. Oh, you're Chris Kirkpatrick. All right, look. We're going to go do this thing. <laughs> no, are you saying I'm not... I'm not. I'm not the fat one. Jo- no. Wait, Joey, fat one. Yeah. That was so mean. Joey Fatone was the only good <laughs> member of InSync. I will die on that hill. He was my favorite, but his name really did spell fat one. Listen, before we lose all the listeners, we gotta go do this ad. Yeah. When we come back, Joey's gonna be gone. Bye, Joey. I'm gonna finish this episode, then I'm gonna be gone. This is it. I know. We love you, Patricia. Love we love you. you. We love you. I mean, I we still have an episode. I know. Don't and go then, anywhere. And then also, we're going for drinks like right after. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get the meds. 
All right, here's your first official act. What? I want to hear you do it. I want to hear the lead in. You want me to do the lead in? I want to do the lead in. Okay. Here we go. Disappeared season six, episode 14, Birds of Prey, tells the story of Moses and Lila Lal. A young man from Guyana and his aunt operate a valuable exotic bird farm in Loxahatchee, Florida. Their reputation was good. They ran an honest business. But one summer day, the pair's unexplained absence sends a wave of panic through the avian community. Everybody was worried about the birds. In its wake, a scene of horror is discovered and a bizarre mystery unfolds. Why did these people leave? If they didn't leave of their own free will, where are they? A lot of people knew he was sitting on a ton of cash. Then, an intriguing lead 400 miles away changes everything. The officer called me and he said, we got your guy. So we're starting on Thursday, June 9th, 1994. We're in tropical Loxa... Oh, Loxahatchee. I got it. I wrote it phonetically. I did a rehearsal. I researched what it was. It is a Seminole North American Indian tribe, Creek origin. And it is a Seminole word that means turtle river. Boom. Yes. Come at me. It's a fucking great word. Loxahatchee. I I, love it. I also didn't know Seminole was a language. So. Look, it wouldn't be us if we weren't closing it out with me in Florida, girl. We gotta say goodbye to Florida. Florida. (laughs) Honestly, Florida, we couldn't have done this without you. (laughs) Really. We do owe Florida like something. Absolutely. An Amazon gift card. Can you guys split it? Everyone's split Florida, it. you've made this a real joy. I know. Thank you. made you. it a real joy. We're just going to go thanking everyone through the whole episode. <laughs> it's Thursday, June 9th, 1994, in tropical Loxahatchee, Florida, a rural farming township near West Palm Beach, known for its sprawling ranches. We are in a farming town near West Palm Beach. It's known for its sprawling ranches. Yeah, and also home to some of the largest exotic aviaries. But shh, and- sh- sh- it's a secret. Right, but it's a, it's a secret. this one is. Well, in general, like they don't want us to know that that's where the aviaries are. Right, but also Christopher wanted to also treat us like the dumbasses that we are and tell us what an aviary is. Or bird farms. I'm like, hello, Christopher, we're not all total dumbasses. Anyway, back to cow tipping. But don't- Turns out (laughs) they can't get up. Though not as conspicuous, the area is also home to some of the nation's largest exotic aviaries or bird farms, a valuable commodity kept secret by the bird breeding community. That's pretty much the way our business is run. I mean, after all, you have everything you own sitting in your backyard, virtually uninsurable that if the wrong people find out about it, you can be wiped out whenever you leave. I also just love how Howard is here to tell us how dangerous the bird world is. <laughs> they will fucking cut a bitch. It seems like you get murdered over birds every day. It is some godfather I know. shit. It's true. Who knew? I know. <laughs> But the thing about these aviaries is that, like, there's this huge commodity kept by these bird dealers. Oh, my god! And it's all a big secret. And I was like, why is it such a secret? But then we meet Howard, who I instantly called Howie. And he's here to tell us that the thing is, these birds in these aviaries are very valuable. 
also uninsurable. Yes. So you can't ever take a vacation. Yeah. Because you could leave and your neighbor could just rob you blind for um, your like million dollars in birds. I mean, don't get me started because I am obsessed with macaws. I will get to that <laughs> later. I really am. Ever since I met a 90-year-old macaw in uh-huh. Mexico, I've been fascinated. Sure. Do you know macaws and parrots can like outlive humans? I, they live like 100 years. I did know that. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. This is a thing in New York. New York is weird. We were at a store, like an antique store, and the guy had his like pet parrot. I asked him how long they lived. They said 100 years. I said, how old is he? He said he's for, are you making plans for him? Yeah, it's got to be in the will. Someone, who's going to take that bird? <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave my house, my car. Oh, the parrot. He's like, I'm going to leave it to my sister Barbara. And you hear the bird go, not going with her. She's a bitch. <laughs> not Barbara. <laughs> not going with her. Oh, my God. We should get a we should get an office parrot. They're really fantastic animals. I know. Wait, do you know something? Okay. No, really, no. Okay, wait. Really, no. I actually have, okay, because you know I used to have a trivia league, yeah. and I used to write all the trivia, and I would, like, learn things as I wrote, and one of our trivia categories was, like, groupings of animals. For example, like, a group of lions is called a... Pride. Yeah, a group of bees is called a... Pride. No, it's called a swarm. A group of crows is called a... Senate. You, come on, you know it's a murder Flock. of crows. Oh, it's a murder of crows. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, now I know, like, a dozen of these. Do you know what a group of parrots is called? What? <laughs> A pandemonium. <laughs> I know that. That's a fact that I know in my oh, life. That payoff was good. I didn't think we were going to get there. One such ranch houses over 700 large exotic birds, like parrots and macaws, worth over a half million dollars. It's operated by a Guyanese national, 31 year old Moses Lal, and his 35 year old aunt, Lila Barreton. So one of these ranches has lots of exotic large birds, parrots and macaws, I know you love them, worth over 500 grand. Don't say lots, say how many? Uh, 700. That is a panda-fucking-monium! <laughs> fucking pandemonium, you guys. But it's operated by a Guyanese national. He's 31, his name is Moses, and he runs this place with his aunt, who's 35. To which I said, could somebody do the math for yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, there are some weird family, yeah, I agree. Anyway. Although new to the area, the Lols had been selling exotic Amazonian species to bird lovers and pet stores across America for years. Their reputation was good. They were never known for not giving people what they paid for. They were not very friendly. But then again, they ran an honest business. So Howie met them when they moved in. Howie was like, they were very efficient. They were good people, not friendly. Yeah, Howie <laughs> really friendly. wants us to know that, like, he's like, they were great with yeah. the animals. Yeah. I don't want to be friends with them, no. nor did I try. <laughs> he is so blunt. Tim Tigrini, owner of Birdhaven in Fort Lauderdale, has been selling seed to the Lols for the past two years, since their move to South Florida. They have always been good customers. Greeny. He owned a place called Bird Haven in Fort Lauderdale, and he had been selling the Lols bird seed for the past two years, basically as long as they had lived in South Florida. They were good customers. They spent $1,200 a week on food. I know. I was like, this seems like a good business. You know what I mean? Like raising the birds? Raising the birds or selling the bird feed? Either way. It yeah. just seems like there's a lot of money in this trade, and I, I was like, should I go to South Florida and raise birds? And then I said, oh, the noise. Yeah. Oh. She doesn't like the noise. I mean, so much noise. I mean, if you shut up, if you don't train your parrot to say, <laughs> I'm stuck in this parrot body, you've done everything wrong. That is, that is, if you have a parrot, 
You need to work out some uh-huh. kind of comedy routine uh-huh. for your parrot, or I'm going to take your parrot. Help, they've turned me into a parrot. <laughs> That's really funny. Could you imagine? What if, like, Daisy's first words were like, I promise I'm a stockbroker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a 60-year-old stockbroker. <gasps> I would believe her. Daisy has been here before. I wronged a witch. Daisy has been here <laughs> she before. Has. She looks at us like we're pathetic. I know. I know. <laughs> On this particular morning, a delivery man from Birdhaven is heading 46 miles to the Law Farm in Loxahatchee for their routine drop-off. But when he arrives, he's met with something unexpected. I got a phone call from Daryl, who had taken a delivery that day, and he said that no one was there and the gate was locked. So we learn that this guy, the birdseed guy, on this day that we're talking about, the day these people go missing, he sent his super fucking hot underling to go drop off the birdseed. And he wanted us to know that he drove 46 miles to do it. I was I like, know. okay. Daryl, I-, I mean, you had to have seen Daryl and been like, Patrick's going to have some shit to say. Every time. <laughs> it, it's it's no, it's a non-starter. Of course you're going to have something to say. Daryl is so fucking hot. So we'll get back to Daryl in a second. But Daryl gets there and the gate is locked and no one is there. Yeah. And he was like, well, that's weird because I always deliver $1,200 worth of bird food here every week. And the birdseed guy is kind of like, well, I guess just like leave the birdseed at the gate and they'll have to bring it in themselves. Do you think the director was like, should we do a take where he takes off his shirt for that podcast? Listen, we'll get there. We'll get there. There's a moment. There's, <laughs> There's a moment. A moment? <laughs> oh, I, didn't, I just feel like he'd appreciate it. With, you know, we're almost seven seasons in. But I'm also just like these actors, these reenactment actors, I'm assuming are like non-union. And I'm like, actor playing Daryl, you're pretty hot. Like, yeah. I feel like you could get your SAG card. You know what I mean? <laughs> actor playing Daryl, if you need a SAG card, please contact Patricia. <laughs> I got your SAG card right here, actor playing Daryl. I'll make a call. I'll make a call. <laughs> so we get the Lila and Moses backstory. They're natives of Guiana. Christopher tells us it's a small Caribbean country in the South American tropics. Did you know that? Did you know where Guiana was? I did, actually. Okay. I worked on cruise ships. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but- <laughs> so it's not because you were smart, it's because you weren't smart. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what a group of camels is called? What? A caravan. (laughs) It is. That makes sense. I get that. Do you know what a group of giraffes is called? What? A tower. A tower of drafts. Don't fuck with me. I will I will play this game every time. So we learn that the Law family has a long history of the exotic bird market. And look, I didn't research it. If Jillian were here, she would tell us, are we allowed to like this or not? I don't know. I feel like these birds don't want to live in cages. I feel like these are big, beautiful, exotic birds that want to live in the fucking jungle. That's actually a great question. But the thing about parrots and macaws that I do know is they are they, highly emotional. Oh, great. So they Great. Pro- they probably- You're not allowed to have one. We can't have more of this in your house. They probably like being with people. <laughs> so maybe that, and they like pleasing, and they like com- okay. like, like companionship. Yeah. So maybe they they probably don't like. Honey, the pages. read a book, please. <laughs> Why? Read a, bo- read a book about anything else. Oh, other than birds. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I have ADHD. I tried to read the Barack Obama book. It was real hard. For oh me. yeah. And like the woman at the helm of this family business is Moses' mom, Jean. She's here. Mama Jean is here. And she's dubbed, even though she's speaking English. Yeah. We, we talked about this <laughs> off mic. We were, I was like, I feel like she's just repeating what she's saying. I think she's like a fast talker. I, you know what I mean? Or, you know, it's kind of like how my grandmother used to talk. My grandmother used to talk yes. in like half English, half uh-huh, Italian. Uh-huh. You know, and you could like make it out. I you feel know? like when Jean saw this episode and saw that she was dubbed, she was like, oh, hell no. Yeah, she, she made some calls. Totally. <laughs> she, Jean is not a woman you fuck with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> to keep the family business growing, 
the Lalls decided to open a quarantine facility in New York, where they could ship large quantities of birds. Moses, one of the Lalls' eight children, was enlisted to run the operation. They expand the business by opening a quarantine facility in New York City where they can send large quantities of birds. Like, apparently there is a big call for this kind of thing. Yeah, it was super lucrative. And then Mama Jean starts to tell us about Moses and tell us he was a bit of a fashionista. Why are you making that face? I don't want to say anything wrong Okay. Here. I am speculating what? that Moses was maybe not attracted to women. His mother tells us his passion was to dress nice and be like Tom Jones. Not unusual to be loved by anyone. And then we see these like faux modeling shots where he's doing that one hand behind them. I think it was just the 70s. Maybe. She says he wanted to do music all the time, but I said, we're in the bird business, damn it. Yeah. We have to open a quarantine station. Way to dash the dreams, yeah. Mama Jean. Put down that hairbrush acting as a microphone and pick up a macaw. (laughs) We are in the bird business. We're in the bird business. We have to get a quarantine station. I bought a facility for the birds in New York by the name of Queens Malabar Avery. Queens Malabar Avery? I was like, is there a backstory there? It seemed oddly specific. (laughs) But it seems like a warehouse. Like, this is what I'm saying. These birds have been captured in the wild. Yeah. And now they're living in Queens. Yeah. Girl. They were captured in the fucking jungles of South America where they were these beautiful, free, majestic creatures. And now they're living in Queens. I know Julian is from Queens, but there are people living in cabs out there. You know what I mean? I'm kidding. That's a direct quote from Will and Grace. Please don't come for me. Now, Lila loved yeah. the birds. Like, this actually kind of makes me feel good the because... birds learned to imitate Lila. I know. Oh, God. Could you imagine if we had a parrot and it was like... <laughs> I would jump to my death over 8th Avenue. Oh, my stars. No birds in the office, Chief! With approximately 800 exotic birds coming into New York from Guyana each year, Moses and Lila's flock started to expand exponentially. This whole operation was always moving. They would have birds coming in and out. They would bring in over 800 birds a year, and they were all coming from Guyana. Again, they're coming from, like, the beautiful jungles of South America to live in Queens, girl. I know, I know. Now that you say it. (laughs) With, like, no windows. It's not like an aviary in, like, a zoo where they're, like, free and flying around. But they are going somewhere, so maybe they're going to beautiful homes. I hope so. Okay, all right. (laughs) I mean, we got so burned with Tiger King. When you hear the word exotic pets, let's just not do it. Yeah. Let's just not do it. You're totally right. Yeah. But Moses dreamed of moving to Florida, to which I was like, I guess there are some problematic things with Moses off the bat. He says, Mommy, I want to go to Florida. Grown men who call their mothers mommy. I'm writing about it in my book. One of the chapters in my book is called 10 Terrible Dates. Uh And it's about like a bunch of bad dates I went on before I met Steve. And on one of the dates, this kid called his mother on the phone on the date and called her mommy no, the whole time. That didn't happen. It didn't happen. You guys, Patrick was a serial dater in our I late was. 20s. I he did. was always dating. It's like, can you lock one of these down? I I'm know. exhausted. With the help of his mother, Moses and Lila moved their birds south where the animals could thrive in a more natural habitat. Lila was thrilled for the birds. I think she was more of an animal lover. I think that's why she did it. I kind of saw it as hard for her to get rid of the birds. They became her family, it seemed like. So they moved south to Florida, which has to be better than a garage in Queens. I mean, whoa! Yeah. We are, we are talking about... Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> 601, 1,000 on the other. Florida, the garage in Queens of the United States. <laughs> 
<laughs> but Lila was really happy because she felt like the birds would be happier down there in their warmer habitat. Try to follow me on this analogy. Okay. Lila was the one who tended the birds, and so it was really hard for her to give them up. And I said, this is why I don't own a liquor store. <laughs> I follow you, honey. I can follow that. I can follow that. It's not. Can you see? Like, I'm just, I'm like packaging that bottle of Stoli Orange crying. Yeah. It's okay. Are you okay, sir? I just, I just we had some memories. I, I just love it so much. I just love it so it's much. It's just a part of who I am. <laughs> but things were about to change. The evolution of the bird business within the United States was basically driven by the Wild Bird Conservation Act of 1992. I said, oh, great. I guess Howie's going to give us a history lesson about the bird business. Yeah. ID's like, we got like a 12. This is one's just about birds. Yeah. We're going to have to fill some space. (laughs) Howard's like, I gotcha. This man is intense. (laughs) I I mean, truly, just wait. So he gives us like all this word soup about, you know, birds. And basically, we learned that the Wild Bird Conservation Act of 1992 placed a ban on the import of wild birds. Yay. I think that's a good thing. Okay, good. But like, Lila and Moses found a workaround, girl. Yeah, so they were like, we can no longer import them, so I guess we'll change everything to breeding. And so the thing about it is that, like, again, I feel like this probably is a bad thing, Yeah. but, like, these birds are in plastic tubs, tiny little baby birds, and she's feeding them from a bottle. She looks like she loves them. Yes, yes. There's too many birds in one tub. It's a lot of birds. And also, like, we didn't need to recreate that scene to film it. Yeah, sure. Okay, that's all. Okay, great. Do they have, like, an animal handler on set? They they don't all have to go somewhere. (laughs) The reenactment actor playing Moses is talking on this Zach Morris phone. Uh And I realized, yeah, and I realized that statement dates me. So if you know who Zach Morris is, make sure you have a really good eye cream. (laughs) Good one. You worked it out at the comedy cellar. (laughs) Oh, you are undeserving of my comedy. Rather than throwing up their hands, they decided to find a way to go ahead and remain in the same business by becoming a breeder. Everybody thought what a clever plan it was. As Moses became even more consumed with running the operation's business, Lila found herself overwhelmed with her expanded duties on the five-acre rental property in Loxahatchee. Now, Lila is like, I'm not just hanging out and loving on these birds. Now she's overwhelmed because like she's, like you said, she's like tending to these baby birds and, you know, making their food and everything. So this operation has like increased exponentially in terms of the workload. Right. And not so much in terms of the money, which we'll get to in a minute. So they have to hire people and they hire this guy that everyone calls Harry. His name is Dajit, but everyone calls him Harry. Now they say that he was a family friend. No, family acquaintance. I actually went back. Did they? They say family acquaintance. Okay, because when I took the notes, I was like, that's so weird because they never mention it again. Uh And then I always think about those family scenarios when like you're at a party and you're not quite sure who that person is, but they're there every year. Uh And then you're way too far deep into your life to ask like how they found their way at your family Christmas every year and you're just like I don't know how you fit into our family but hi friends but hi hi. great to see you again Merry Christmas anyway that's Harry but I also said oh shit we only see this guy in a photo that's never a good sign when they introduce a new character and you only see them in a photo from the 90s money was tight and Moses felt he needed to branch out since his Guyanese supply of birds was cut off I was helping, but I couldn't help anymore. There was nothing to depend on, so he tried to buy reptiles. 
So now Moses is expanding and he tries importing rare tortoises from Africa to make money. I know that turns that's uh, this is this as we're getting more into this yeah. recording, I'm getting more and more upset. Moses, girl, just go get a bartending job like the rest of us. Yeah. You'll make more money, probably. Yeah. You will like have to travel less and you won't be like murdering these fucking turtles. Yeah. So Moses is traveling to Africa all the time and he meets this guy that we call Ayum. They met in 93 and Ayum comes from Africa to help at the ranch with the reptiles. He's like a reptile guy. Also, Mama Jean really didn't like Ayun. <laughs> she was like, who is this guy? I know. I didn't really love her take on that. Yeah, but okay. it was very abrupt. Yeah. And Moses was like, he's my friend. He's going to help me with the reptiles. And that was that. Lila. On this balmy June morning, after Daryl, the seed delivery man, repeatedly calls for someone at the Law's house to receive their weekly supplies, he decides to jump the fence to investigate. It's June 4th, 1994. Hot Dale's rolled up with $1,200 worth of bird seed. And I said, oh shit, we're back with hot reenactment actor Daryl or Darren. Who cares? He's so hot. <laughs> and I said, hottie Daryl climbs the fence and we see that his shirt in the back is soaked through with sweat. To which I said, Daryl, you can take that shirt off, girl. <laughs> take that shirt right off. It's a kind of hot day. That's Take it right off, girl. Do you know what? What? You're thoughtful. I know. You're really thoughtful. <laughs> you don't need the shirt. That can't be comfy. <laughs> no. You can just, it's sticking to you. Yeah, that can't, honestly. Just you take, know what? Just take it off. I'll throw it in the dryer. We can take our shirts off together. Ten minutes in the dryer. Totally. Do you want some iced tea? <laughs> Vodka in it? Yeah. No, no, me either. I don't want it either. Vodka. No, 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 no. It was, it was a joke, Daryl, Darren. Do you want this <laughs> Daryl <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> Not me. Either. You sure? <laughs> Be real easy. No, just kidding. No, I'm still kidding, too. Uh, do you want to run through the sprinklers? <laughs> me either. We could just hold each other. No, just kidding. Just no, kidding. I didn't no, I do that. No, I'm joking, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Should I lick you? <clears throat> no, too far, too far, too far, too far. So out good. <laughs> I could lick you. <laughs> you keep turning gay and then straight. I said, no, not lick you like in basketball. When we play basketball. What are you doing? And then you just like gaslight him. We could roll around in the pig mud. I got pig mud just for you. <laughs> So after Daryl jumps the fence with what appears to be a drenched T-shirt, he walks back to where the birds are and no one is around. So Hot Daryl calls, you know, Tim, the owner of the feed place, and he's like, what do I do? And he was like, I guess just leave the bird seed by the gate and carry on with your day. And then Howie tells us, because Moses and Lila were not very social, nobody was worried about that. I know. <laughs> I was like, can you guys just be a touch nicer? I know. But then the driver was also like, like, sure, I'll leave the bird seed here, but last week's bird seed are still here. And the birds gotta eat. And this is the thing, like, this is where it kind of gets serious. Yeah. Word spreads quickly through the avian community that Moses and Lila's birds might be in jeopardy. The interesting thing about it is because Moses and Lila were so unsocial, and I don't mean that in a negative way, nobody seemed to be worried about them at all. Everybody was constantly on the phone, worried about the condition and the health of the birds. Everyone in the bird community is like worried about the birds. Yeah. Which is very okay. good. No one's worried about the people. No. We are one hundred. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm not not worried about the birds. No. No one even mentions them. They're like, the birds are alone? 
<laughs> but honestly, like these birds can't take care of themselves. They're like, very emotional, the birds. <laughs> they are. They really are. This is why you love them well, so I much. Do. You see a lot of yourself in the pandemonium. Okay. <laughs> Blunt bird guy says that like you know they weren't social. And he's like, I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm like, still mean though. And you also don't mean it in a nice way, Howie. Yeah, it's like when someone says no offense before they're about to be super offensive. It's like totally. You're still being mean. Totally. As the days pass and there is still no sign of the Lols, Harry, or Ayum, local breeders attempt to get the Florida Fish and Game Conservation Commission involved. But the locals say their calls are ignored since the Lols were not a registered breeding facility. Howard tells us that they tried to call the Fish and Game Commission of Florida. You guys, this is such bullshit. Yeah. The Fish and Game Commission refuses because the aviary wasn't officially registered. Yeah. To which I said, what? So then they call Animal Control. Animal Control says, we don't handle exotic birds. Then they call the Sheriff's Office, and they are told to call Animal Control. To which I'm saying, like, can someone just get in there and fucking feed the birds? Yes! This makes me literally crazy. What? Feed the birds. <laughs> Top and so You walked into that. <laughs> So, Wednesday, June 15th, which is six days later. Say where they are. Kalahoochee. Radamoochee. No. Come on, you can do it. Yakakuchi. No. Come on, it starts with an L. Kalabuchi. <laughs> do you really not know? Radamoochee. No. Loxahatchee. <laughs> I knew it was an awesome word. I just couldn't remember which one. <laughs> okay. Editor is Jeff. Very cute, by the way. We've been over this. Okay. Show me a picture. I will. <laughs> hey. Jeffs are usually super toxic, though. That's true. <laughs> like That's Any true. Jane He's Canadian, I'm though. Canadians friends. are great. Oh, I yeah. love Canadians. If we get married, so nice. I could have some of his health care. Okay, you, you want to get married again? Is what you're saying? <laughs> I could have some of his health care. Does that cover the mental health care? Because that's what that's what we need the most, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, give us some of your Canadian mental health care, please. We'll take a grand plateau of that over here, Jeff, if you got it. It's getting hot in this booth. Okay, go on. So it's six days later. Daryl is back at the ranch to check on the fucking 700 birds. He hops the fence with his yeah. muscles, yeah. And his, like the way that his legs moved. Mm -hmm. And all that food was still sitting there. And Daryl jumped the fence again, kind of walked through the property. And then that's when he saw a lot of the birds cannibalizing each other. There were dead birds on the bottom of the cage. They were plucked open. The birds had been eating off of them. There's Very. actual footage of yeah. this that is so hard to look at. Yeah. There's birds, they say, cannibalizing each other. We see dead body birds. They were starving. Can I tell you this? I said, this is really fucking sad, but also I would 100% eat you if we got stuck in this booth for longer than an hour. <laughs> yeah. I, I would eat you. I absolutely. I got it. Yeah, I'm a hungry guy. Oh my God. Have you ever seen that movie Alive? I, I, Ugh. No, Ellen, I read the fucking book. God damn it. Wow. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry that I have ADHD. I apologize for you my do? mental illness. Okay, great. No. Oh, but the, it, Jeff, again, it's some of that healthcare goes a long way down here, girl. No, but we see the actual footage. Yeah, and they show too fucking much yeah. of it. Florida's Fish and Game Conservation Commission is immediately called to the property. It is a scene straight out of a horror film. About 400 exotic birds like parrots, macaws, and African greys are dead. And over 300 more are clinging to life. So the Florida Fish and Game Society that had previously yeah. been like, nah, they're all of a sudden, 
they're up and at them. We're going to be the heroes. Yeah, they were like, we're, we're the at heroes. the ranch. They're yeah. checking, and they're like, yeah, this is devastating. This is really bad. Somebody should have done something about this. Like, yeah, how about six fucking days ago when y'all were passing the buck back and forth to each other? Where were you a week ago? And then they start calling the fucking bird people who had been calling them all week. They're calling Howie. They're calling the bird seed guy. And they're like, we tried to get in touch with you. Yeah. And like, the thing is, 400 of the birds are dead. 300 of them are fucking clinging to life. 400 this is dead really, birds. Like, this is a serious moment. Like, they starved those birds. And the only one who really cared was Daryl. I wrote, great work, everyone. I great work. <laughs> well it, done. It really is. It actually genuinely is upsetting. So yeah. we see the footage of all these volunteers and these, you know, these vets trying to save those birds. You know, the birds feel stressed, too. Of course they do. So they probably, like, didn't die in a great way. Okay, but I mean, I know. we're going to dwell on this. No, okay. It's my last day, No, you're Ellen. right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can we talk about your boobies or something? <laughs> you want to go back to Daryl for a second? Okay. Daryl. Okay. <laughs> we could take a shower. Too far. Too far. <laughs> but for former Palm Beach County homicide detective Glenn Westcott, the people are foremost on his mind. Why did these people leave? If they didn't leave of their own free will, where are they? So we meet investigator Glenn Westcott, who is the cutest Mr. Clean man you ever did see. And they were like, I'm worried about the people. Does anyone yeah. want to talk about the people? He's like, I love this pandemonium that we have going yeah. on. But like, I'd also like to know where the people are. And he said that he like talked to the people in the bird business. And he said this is the first time he heard that like the way Moses operated things wasn't necessarily on the up and up. Right. And so a lot of people in the bird community were sort of speculating. They thought that Moses was in Africa picking up reptiles. But everyone's like, that accounts for Moses. But Lila <laughs> right. loves these birds. Like, yeah, that accounts for Moses. But um, yeah. there's more people missing. Everyone was like, no, Lila loves those birds. This doesn't track. She would never leave the birds. So now they think that she's missing. But Moses is probably in Africa on his Zach Morris phone. Yeah. And also, like, Officer Glenn wants to point out that there were no signs of a struggle. And I said, clearly, she did not have a kicking vase. No kicking vase. Clearly, she did not have a kicking vase. A lot of people have taken to Amazon and gotten their kicking vases. You guys, I think we're going to sell kicking vase merch. We have to do it. <laughs> just, like, kick me in totally. case of a struggle. And I just, I love the idea that you, you like, you break your kicking vase by accident. Yeah, you're like, ah, no, 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 no. And, like, the cops storm in. Someone kick, someone kick that vase. There's an like, obvious no, sign of a struggle. No, 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 you guys, we're going to save lives with our kicking vases. Get a fucking kicking vase, put it by the door. What about at, like, Obsessed Fest? We just, like, throw kicking vases into the audience. <laughs> it's a bit. It's a bit. Then, a survey of the property turns up a harrowing clue. If you went 200 yards to the rear of this particular house, there was a, a huge aviary set up. I'm going to guess 300 cages on each side. And the cages were four or five high. Behind that was where we found a shallow grave. One of the things they find behind some of the bird cages is a shallow grave. Yeah. Maybe Moses and Lila are in there, but it's going to take some time. They got to get a warrant for that first. Right. And so that day, they make a missing persons case for Lila. Still not worried about Moses. Not worried about Moses. Might be in Africa getting the turtles yeah. garbage. Don't fucking do that, Moses. But also, I was like, proactive, Glenn. Yeah. Proactive. Like, the cop himself is filling out the police report. Yeah. Good for you, girl. And so we go to Mama Jean, and we learn that Mama Jean is in Guyana. And then when Mama Jean hears they're gone, on. She's like, okay. Yeah. And then she says, and the birds are here. She goes, oh, no, they're dead. <laughs> right. No, no. She has a few words to mince. <laughs> right. She's like, no, no. If Lila's not there and the birds are there, she's dead. Yeah. I was like, can we? Okay, Mama Jean. According to the deputy's report, Jean tells the detective that her sister must be dead. That is the only explanation for her abandoning the birds. 
If Moses was away, Lila would always be there. Moses' mother confesses that she has had an uneasy feeling since the last time she spoke to her son, almost two weeks earlier. Mama Jean is here to tell us some information. She said, I spoke to my son Moses two weeks ago. So we go back to Friday, June 3rd, 1994. Moses calls Mama Jean and he's like, hey, mama, mommy. <laughs> You're doing the RuPaul hands. I know. I'm, ta- I'm talking <laughs> like this. And he's like, hey, what's <laughs> You guys can't see it. But <laughs> so he says, I'm going to Africa to buy some reptiles. Yeah. And Mama Jean says he sounded tired and stressed. Which yeah. Which is me on a Tuesday. But he's also saying like, you know, I am I know money's been tight, but I'm okay now. I'm going to Africa. And she says she tried repeatedly to call the house after this conversation. Because she felt like something was off. Yes. Yeah. She just assumes that they're constantly, quote, out in the field working. Yeah. And she, well, she said she, said she kept calling. She still felt unsettled about it. So everyone's like, wait. So is Moses in Africa? Can anyone get eyes on Moses? I know. And then I have this big note. They go to the commercial. They come back from the commercial. And they do a longer recap than any episode we've ever had before. And all they're showing is like the videos of these dead animals. I know. Why ID? Also, we do a lot of bouncing. We keep going back and forth and back and forth. This one was tough. There's a lot of dates and a lot. It's very like we're going to streamline it because we're fucking great at this. Yeah. But like. Also, maybe don't do chores today and write some shit down for once. (laughs) Could you guys take some notes? It's my last day. Yeah. Can you show some respect? Can you follow the story? Show some respect for the we storytelling. We do a really good job of really just giving you the story and nothing else. Could you have and some nothing respect? Else. We keep this very tight. We keep it very yeah. focused on the episode. Let's really just yell at the listeners. <laughs> you fucking assholes. You bitches. <laughs> you fucking kitchen cleaning bitches. Listen to us. I love all these people cleaning. They're kicking vases. They're like, well, shit. I guess we'll do that later. <laughs> so it's June 16th, 1994. We're in West Palm Beach at 2 a.m. And some guy calls Detective Glenn. I've got a very strange call from a gentleman in Deltona, Florida. He called me out of the blue. I missed his call by mere minutes. And when I called him back, he started pumping me for information. He was trying to find out what I knew about the case. And I was more concerned with what he knew and why he was calling me. He's probably the first person that said, you know, Moses wasn't always on the up and up. Glenn's like... He was trying to pump me for information. I was trying to pump him for information. I was like, Glenn, maybe you were sick at the day at the academy that you realized you're the cop. Right. You don't have to tell him anything, girl. But he said he was like super cagey at the beginning of the conversation. One time someone called me and they were like, hey, who's this? I was like, bitch, you called me. What are you talking about? Who is this? Don't call me and ask me questions. Like he was like, the guy calling was running the show. (laughs) It was like as if you called. Exactly. Like, listen. But he is the one who says that, like, Moses wasn't necessarily on the up and up. He says Moses owed a lot of people a lot of money. Yeah. And so the cops are like, well, maybe then Moses is on the run or he was killed for his, like, unpaid loans. And then they were saying, but, like, that doesn't really make any sense because if somebody was killing Moses to get his birds yeah. for the money because these birds are very valuable, it makes no sense that they would have just, like, let the birds die. Yeah, So, exactly. like, that's probably not what happens. And don't forget, Moses and Lila are missing, but also Ayun and Harry. Mm-hmm. So they're like, where are the ranch hands? Right. And where is Lila, if that story is true? Now, listen, we cut to Mama Jean, who will not let it stand that people out there think that her son Moses was short on cash. <gasps> She's livid at that idea. <laughs> oh, oh, I know because Mama Jean was like, Moses didn't have money problems. If Moses needed money, he would come to me. And then I would give him more than he needed. I, 
I always feel like if she's like, uh, honey, how, how much you need? 20, 30? And he's, and he's like, no, 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 mom. It's okay. No, 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 honey, honey. How much you need? How much you need? He's like, it's like half a mil. Yeah. And it's like also like he's flying to Africa to get like contraband turtles. Like something has gone wrong a lot. Just let him dance around like Tom Jones, Mama Jean. Let him live his dream. No, but Mama Jean is saying they're lying. This has nothing to do with money. It, 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 you're, you're all lying. We know you have money, girl. Yeah. It's like, why are you yelling at us about yeah, it? She's like, make it rain. <laughs> make it rain. <laughs> she got buy this house. You think I won't buy this house? I'll buy this. How much is that camera? How much is that camera? I'll fucking buy it off you right now, you bitch. Oh, fucking buy that camera right now. A year and a half before authorities were called to the ranch in response to the dead birds, sheriff's deputies were dispatched to the same residence for a very different reason. There was a report of a suicide attempt, which the sheriff's office personnel responded to, involving Daljeet Harry Gobin. And apparently he had uh, made his intentions towards Lila known. So like a year before the birds all died and yeah. Moses and Lila went missing, the cops were called to the ranch because of a suicide attempt. And we learned that Harry had confessed his like love to Lila, to Lila, and Lila was like, nah, no thanks. Yeah, and we talked about this on Fry Thy Neighbor when yeah. the male ego is bruised <laughs> and the entitlement and the audacity uh-huh. Uh-huh. are rising at an alarming rate. <laughs> The males, uh, how yes. dare thee turn down my advances, you simple woman. Yeah, and so they say that, like, he attempted to harm himself in some way. And then a year later, there's, like, some kind of showdown between Harry and Moses because Harry is jealous that Moses has this, like, thriving business. And this is the point that we learned that apparently Moses was keeping, like, 40 grand in a mattress in the house. That's some shit you would do. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but it should be said that that whole thing is only corroborated by Mama Jean. Who cannot stand the idea that people think her son didn't have any money. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mama Jean. There's some Oedipin shit going on. <laughs> but, no, she was the one who was like, Harry was jealous of Moses. Uh-huh. So that story is a little hearsay but we're going to learn that Mama Jean is actually pretty spot on on all of the things that she thinks. Yeah, and so what happened was, a year ago, Moses went on a trip to Africa. He came back and his 40 grand on the mattress was gone. Right. And so he tracks Moses down to Queens, New York. They were living in Florida. Right. I guess he wanted to move back to the garage in Queens or whatever. Yeah. They track him down. Moses and the cops go to this apartment in Queens where they find, this is insane. Yeah. Harry's like, I don't have all the money, but I do have some of the money. Can I please have my job back? And Moses is like, yes, you absolutely can. And Harry's like, but wait, remember, I make Lila very nervous. I make her very uncomfortable. And Moses goes, doesn't matter. I want you. I need you. I got to give you your job back, Harry, right this second. Yeah. He stole 40 grand. And makes Lila uncomfortable. Yeah. And Moses is like, you know what? All things considered. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Water under the bridge. I, I miss you, bro. I, I miss you. And they just like hug it out and they give each other that like man pat thing that Meanwhile, they do. like, I hope you guys had a nice dinner in Manhattan. Like, Moses, you came all the way from fucking Florida and you went to Queens? Yeah. Tell me you didn't go straight home, girl. Did you see kinky boots on that trip? <laughs> Did you take in a nice steak dinner? But we get this whole kumbaya moment of these dudes making up and we smash cut to Mama Jean being like, that was a mistake that he made. He shouldn't have brought that guy back. That That was was a a bad decision. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, he should have never let Harry back. And they're like, okay, you know what? Should we talk to Harry? We'd like, love where to. Is Harry? Weird thing. We can't find him. There's a bolo out for Harry. <laughs> you guys, Maggie Freeling did at one point have to explain to me what a bolo was. <laughs> Listen, be on, be on the lookout. Be on the lookout. <laughs> Girl. 
So it's Friday, June 17th, 1994, and it's two days after we found the birds. They finally- What do you think Daryl was doing? Do you think he was at the gym? Probably. Do you think he was swimming naked? Yes. Do you think he was he was swimming naked? Thinking about you. And having, yeah, like- yeah. It's yeah. your last day. I'm going to yes and you all the fucking way down the road. Go or like on. He was wearing one of those like tight Speedos while yep. he was swimming. Yeah. What, like, okay. the, t- the tightest. Yeah, the tightest. The tightest ones. He things. does look a little bit like your ex-husband. I'm not joking. Okay. <laughs> oh, shit. Everyone pull over. Mama Jean is in town. Mama Jean has arrived in town from Guyana. Right. Yes. She's here to talk to the cops. And she's taking no fucking prisoners. She's going to buy that police station. <laughs> well, you think I can't afford it? <laughs> My son had no money problems and I now own the cops. Who wants steak? That's right. I'm ordering steak for everyone. I even told Westcott, I said. I told Westcott, every time I called from Guyana since the turd, the phone just rings. Did you check the phone lines to see if the wires were cut? Investigators will later discover someone had in fact cut the phone wires. And records will indicate that no calls were made from the residence after June 4th at 9 a.m. There was definitely suspicion of foul play. So basically she says, you know, maybe someone cut the phone wires. And I was like, honey, don't be ridiculous. The cops were like, they, that definitely didn't happen. What are you talking? They, oh, they, turns out somebody did they cut, cut the phone wires. Someone <laughs> cut the phone wires. They come sit down. They're like eating their creamy spinach. They're like, turns out phone wires were cut. They cut the fucking phone wires. How, how did Mama Jean know this? I want to say too, this reenactment actress playing Mama Jean is really going for every moment. Oh, She's yeah. going for every, The director was like, can you do more? Yeah. Bigger? Could you just give me more energy? So they go back to the, to the call. What is it called? The call log? What's it called? What's it called? The phone record? Yep, that's it. <laughs> that's, I couldn't think of it. They go to the phone records, and the last call was made June 4th at 9 a.m. So now we're at June 20th. If you're confused, I'm confused. There is so much jumping in this episode. I I don't know. know what year it is. But it's June 20th, and they finally realize that Moses is in Africa. And I don't know why on that day, like, they just say there's no indication that he's in Africa. That's the day they file the missing persons report for Moses. Listen, if Christopher says it, 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 it what, what do you think Christopher's going to lie to us? He fucking knows. Christopher, don't leave us for season seven. <laughs> oh, shit. We want you to live. The next day, investigators allowed the Law family onto the Velasquez Boulevard property. Almost immediately, Jean Law notices that one of her son's Dodge Caravans is missing from the property. I told him, I said, Moses had two vans, where are they? He said, how would I know? Are you asking me? I said, he bought the other one in New York. And so now they go back to the ranch, and Mama Jean is the first to be like, ah, my kid's car is missing. Yeah. Does anyone want to ask how many cars he had? Because one of them's not fucking here. Mama Jean is, like, the only one getting any kind of... <laughs> Mama Jean knows anything. Know. So they're like... Oh, oh they do another bolo. They, they're, they're like, uh, oh, yeah, 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 another, the car is missing. Yeah. So they get a bolo for the white minivan with New York plates. Couple hours pass. They get a call from the Georgia Police Department. Turns out people really pay attention to those bolos. Who yeah. knew? And they go, we got your car. Yeah. So it turns out three days after Mama Jean last heard from Moses, a man was spotted on the side of the road in this town in Georgia, 400 miles from Tallahatchie. Tallahassee? Tallahassee. Oh, Loxahatchee? Loxahatchee. Wow, you're not even trying. 400 miles from Loxahatchee. The way they describe this is very shady. The, yeah. The, co- the officer like pulls over to help this guy, ends up arresting him, but really what, like, he asks the guy for his license I- to identify him. Which you don't have to do. Is that right? If you're not committing a crime, you don't have to hand over your identification. <gasps> 
Is that right? Yeah. Like if you if someone says, can I see like your ID? You say, yeah. have I done something wrong? Am I being detained? You don't have to hand over your ID. Oh, shit. That's a total misconception. Follow Ellen on Twitter for more life hacks, you yeah. guys. <laughs> this guy hands over the driver's license. It's Moses Lal. And they see that the cop runs the license and sees that his license has been yeah. suspended. So he fucking arrests the guy. Yeah. And then the minivan was towed. But it's like 15 to 20 Amazon parrots, 100 exotic turtles I in know. this fucking van. Yeah. And so the detective tell Mama Jean about the arrest. And Mama Jean goes, yeah, that might have been his ID, but that doesn't mean it's Moses. He I says, was like, Mama Jean. I know. Come she, on. She was, the name is on the run, not the person. To which I was like, Moses is trash. Yeah. Because he's like stranded these animals in the van. He let these 300 fucking birds die. Yeah. But hold tight, everybody. Moses isn't trash. Yeah. <laughs> so in my head, I was like, Mama Jean, you can't keep defending your son. Yeah. This shit happens. Turns out Mama Jean is right a bunch of times. Yeah. So they say that, you know, he was arrested. He was on a suspended license. He went to jail. And then he got out. Yeah. And he said he got out because he said he had to go feed his animals. And then Moses like skips town. Yeah. I was like, is that all it takes to get out of prison? So Moses apparently gets out. Nobody knows where he is. So the investigator calls the pal in Queens. So they call that guy Ayun who's living in Queens. Ayun says he was in Queens, New York on June 4th when he received a surprise phone call from Daljeet Harry Gobin. He had gotten a call from Harry saying that he had arrived at the farm, witnessed Moses and Lila being led away at gunpoint, and was hightailing it out of there because he was fearful for his life. So it's Tuesday, June 4th. We're back in Loxahatchee. Keep up. This is <laughs> dead birds before the arrest. Yes. Ayun was in Queens, and Harry calls him. And Harry was like, hey, how are you? How's Queens? Yeah. Is the pizza better in Queens? What about the Greek food? He's like, listen, <laughs> I'm here chilling on the farm, and I saw Moses and Lila being taken away at gunpoint. Just letting you know, if you haven't heard, Moses and Lila are missing, and I know what happened. They were taken away at gunpoint. I hid in the bush. Yeah, and Ayun is like, did you help them? Right. Remember how you confessed your love for Lila? You just let her get taken away at gunpoint. And he's like, oh, and by the way, the people who took him were like two Caucasian guys in a white van. Yeah, and he's like, I was scared out of my marbles. So no, I didn't help them. And then the cops were like, wait, you didn't call the cops? Like, nobody called authorities. And so what what all of this means, if this guy Harry is telling the truth, he's saying, I saw Moses and Lila get taken away in a white van. But we also know because of the license that Moses was pulled over two days later in Georgia. Exactly, right. So if Moses was kidnapped the way Harry said, somehow he escaped, got a van full of animals, and then got pulled over in Georgia, something's not adding up. And then got arrested. So was Moses arrested? Was Moses kidnapped and then escaped and then arrested? Like that's what what I was thinking. So the Richmond Hill police, Richmond Hill in Georgia, sent the fingerprints that they took of Moses that night. On the side of the road in Georgia. Right. They send those fingerprints down to Palm Beach County to the sheriff's office. With a photograph. With a photograph. Who knew they took photographs? How cute is that? And Detective Mr. Clean, so sweet, shows Mama Jean the picture and they're like, I mean, Moses got um, arrested in Georgia. Can you just confirm that this is him? Yeah, and Mama Jean was like, see, bitch, I told you that wasn't my fucking son. That's fucking Harry. <laughs> so just to connect all these dots, Harry is lying. Yeah, Harry's Mama saying Jean that- for the win. Circle gets the square. I know, Are I know. Are you kidding me? Harry Gobin has pulled the ultimate con. He successfully assumed Moses' identity, sending investigators on a wild goose chase. Hi, Mr. Law. 
currently being placed under arrest for driving while license suspended, okay? Unbeknownst to me, on the day that I put out the bolo for Harry, he had already been arrested and released from custody in Georgia. They're saying that Harry, like, is lying. Obviously, he didn't see Moses and Lila getting Stole kidnapped, his identity. Stole his identity and sent the investigators on, like, a wild goose chase. You know, now they know Moses and Lila are in trouble, right? right? Also, Harry's on the run. Because Harry posing as Moses posted bail and took off. Because he had to feed the animals. So, like, they know that Harry's probably the bad guy. Moses and Lila are still missing. There's some rumor swirling that Moses and Lila were dumped. Their bodies were dumped in a pond. Yeah. They go and search the pond. They find nothing. And they also were like, what was the motivation for Harry if he did this? And it should be said that Ayun from Queens was totally cooperating with everything. They was cooperative, but the cops were kind of like, but his story is so kind of suspicious. said the timeline was suspicious, yeah. which I always empathize with because I could be like, wait, was that Tuesday or was that Thursday? Fuck. Yeah. Okay, wait, no. I had I had Soul Cycle on Wednesday. It was the th- <laughs> like I kind of get that. Yeah. So Bossy Birdbrain Howard said it wasn't about Moses. This is all about money. Because like Howie has been saying from the beginning that like Moses's farm wasn't doing well. Yeah. So he was liquidating the birds. Yeah. He was selling them off. And like the bird business is a cash business. Yeah. So they're saying that like Moses had like 80 grand on him. Everyone knew it. Yeah. And he's like, for some reason, I mean, I guess everyone in the bird community can see when the birds are being sold. I like, guess. Maybe they would just, it's a small world and they would just know about it. Yeah. Who's talking all that? Ca- I would, you're not supposed to talk about money. I know. <laughs> and you are tight lipped. <laughs> but like, how are you saying all it takes is one person, like one bad guy, to know that you have, that you're flush with cash and this shit's going to happen. And no money was found in the residence. But I got to say, like, if Harry's the bad guy here, it does seem like he. He stole the animals to sell them. He had a van full of birds and turtles that he got pulled over on. The, like, it seems to be like Harry's the bad guy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of like how it ends. Yeah. Do you have any side research? No. No. It is a very well-known case. I, You know, I go through all those, like, Reddit, like, kales and stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, everyone in the community is basically like, Harry did it. But if anyone does have any information to the whereabouts or the disappearance or anything for Moses and Lila, please call the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Department at 561-790-5180. And those poor birds. I know. I hope the ones that survived were taken care of. They're only like a quarter of the way through their lives right now. (laughs) (laughs) Say something funny. I mean, we didn't find Moses and Lila's body, but you know whose body we did find? Who? Daryl! I didn't see that coming! Oh my god, you guys, for the last time, we did it! We did it! Are you going to miss me? We're going to record another episode in five minutes. So then I will absolutely miss you. But the regular feed is going to miss you. I'll come back and visit. You know I'm right outside. Pop me in for a joke from time to time. The sun has gone to bed and so must I. Let me say this, you guys. Our Patreon episodes are going nowhere. Joey's going to be taking over there too. But join us there for ad-free bonus episodes. You get three every month plus an extra fun thing that we're doing. Right now we're covering Fry Thy Neighbor. We're eating people. Yeah. <laughs> it gets crazier and crazier over there on the Patreon. Follow us on social media. We're at The Disappeared Pod on Instagram. We're also on Twitter. I am at Ellen Marsh. And oh wait, we have a new TikTok. We have, an, we have a TikTok for the, what do we have? A podcast. We have a podcast TikTok. We're on Obsessed with Disappeared on TikTok. Patrick is Patrick Hines underscore. Follow 
follow him still. He'll still be funny doing something funny. <laughs> I have like twice as many followers as you. I know, which is honestly criminal. It really is. I love you guys. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. You always can find me over at True Crime Obsessed. I'll be there for the rest of my life. Then I'll be here whenever you want me, whenever you'll have me. All right. Well, bye-bye. we love you guys. We love you. Bye, bye. Patricia. Bye, girl. Oh, don't you're going to make me cry. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. So, so we, oh, by all means. Listen, I'm still here for one. Oh, I, I got my last episode. God damn it. You do the talking. Go on, baby. <laughs> I just want to go hold a monkey. Like, was she mad at Ross for having Marcel? Oh, I'm sure. Really? Okay. Didn't they get rid of Marcel after the first season, though? Yeah, yeah it was a it was weird. A bad and idea. then they had the duck and the goose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying, I want to hold. If anyone knows where I can go play with monkeys, please put it in the Facebook group. I'd like to go. Also, Friends was actually just living single. <laughs> okay, it's okay. okay. We'll get to that another time. <laughs> June 4th, 1994, Hot Dales rolled up with like 12... Is it June 4th or June 9th? I have June 4th. Oh, shit. Okay. You, you, you were right last time, so you're probably right this time. <laughs> no one's paying attention. No, no one cares. That's fine. Are you ready to do this? I guess we have to. Here's the thing. I want to hear you do it. You do the intro into the trailer. Oh, okay. Are you ready? Yes, absolutely. What is this? For he's oh. a jolly He's a jolly gavala. he's a jolly gavala. Steve, wait. This is how serious this is. Steve is bringing a cake into the- Into the booth. Into the booth. Steve does not allow cake or food in here. There is no cake or food into the booth. <laughs> Oh, you got me champagne. That's not going to be enough champagne. That's That's not going to be enough. Is that the chaser champagne? (laughs) You guys, Steve just surprised Patrick in the booth with the going away cake. is this from Steve or is this from you? It's from both of us. We have been plotting. We have been plotting and planning. Oh, you guys. (laughs) We've had text exchanges. Thank you. Uh, You guys, we had a cake that says DB for life. (laughs) Wait, we need to take pictures. You'll see this on you'll see this on Instagram before you hear it on the episode. Oh my god. Wait, hang on. Oh, he's got the champagne. He's opening the champagne. <gasps> we can we can add in a fake. Oh. <laughs> Opa. 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 Oh my goodness. Thanks, you guys. 